Broadway Battles is a podcast that may contain mild language or adult themes. Viewer discretion is advised for those under 13. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Broadway Battles, where I bring my friends on to talk about a musical they've never seen, and you get the best quiz show podcast out there about musical theater. I'm your host and resident musical theater expert, Haley Slammon. Since this is our first episode, I'll tell you a little about myself. I'm an OSA alumni. I have a BA in musical theater from Columbia College, Chicago, and I've been performing for the last 10 years, so I promise that you're in good hands. I will tell you everything you need to know, and we're going to have a great time. With me today is my wonderful fellow OSA alumni. He attended Berklee College of Music. He's a composer for several local theater productions and a member of the Oakland Civic Orchestra. It's Nico Umar Durr. Hey guys. Nico, we made it. We're on a podcast. I know, right? Oh my God. <laughs> so we're talking about Legally Blonde today, Nico. Uh-huh. What do you know about it? Well, I've seen the movie, but it's one of those movies that, you know, you've seen like a bunch of times like years ago and then you haven't seen them like in about as many years. So I'd actually never seen the movie before, and I just watched it last night. It's definitely different. The tone actually transfers over really well. Of course. Uh, it's it's a it's a '90s chick flick. Yeah. In the in like made in 2001, and then it got turned into a musical. Yeah. It very much has that tone, but there's just like some things that. The musical does to make it a little bit more musically, right? Like they cut a couple of characters and they turn them into different characters. They combine some characters for I plot. Would, yeah, I would think uh, they would do that. There's more love story. So like, you know how she does her own thing? That kind of doesn't happen. Oh. Vivian's a little less of a character, but we'll get to all of that. I promise. So uh. with that being said, are you ready to take this musical challenge with me? All right, let's go. All right. So here's how it's going to go. I'm going to tell you some plot and some interesting facts about this show, and we're basically just going to go through it. I'm going to tell you what happens. Along the way, we're going to listen to the songs as they come up. We're going to talk about them. And then at the end, we're going to just rate the show. We'll talk about, is it good? And we'll talk about the music. What are your favorite songs? What songs don't work? All right. That's the easy part. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have 11 <laughs> questions for you. They are multiple choice. They are guess questions. They're about things that happen in the plot. They're about the years that the show got released. They're about really whatever I wanted and wrote about. Okay. Also, standard disclaimer for those of you, I haven't seen the show. I've only seen the movie. Oh, yeah. That is that is the premise of this show, if you have not figured that out, by the way. I'm having my friends on, and they know nothing about the musical. I'm the expert here, and they are just, you know, my willing participants. <laughs> <laughs> but so along the way, if you get the questions right, you're going to get points. The points are for bragging rights, possibly prizes. There are no prizes. We are a new show. If you want prizes, you can donate to us on Patreon. Or follow us on Facebook. Everything is Haley Slammin' because I am the writer and director. Um, so if you get them right, you get bragging points. But if you get them wrong, you'll be a theater failure. I'm actually going to ask you to leave the show. You'll leave in shame and never come on again. Okay. So no pressure, okay? Um, <laughs> if you have any questions about any questions, please, as always, refer them to your stage manager, which is me as well, so you know any questions, just, just throw them out there. Do you need anything else cleared up before we start? No, I think we're good. Great, then let's play Broadway Battles! All right, so question one, we're starting off with an easy one. What year did the musical come out? If you get it within five years, you get one point. If you nail this, if you just tell me the year, you will get five points right off the bat. I really want to say it came out in like 2012 or something like that. That's when I remember seeing most of like the resurgence of it. Is that your guess, 2012? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to tell you. It did not come out in 2012. Is it within five years? You though? are within five years, so okay. you will be getting one point. So the musical actually came out in 2007. 
And it premiered here at the Golden Gate Theater. That's okay. That so was it my premiered, second guess. <laughs> it premiered in January 2007 at the Golden Gate Theater, and it moved to Broadway really quickly, April of the same year. It's based on the 2001 movie and the book by Amanda Brown. They're both of the same name. I'm not going to say Legally Blonde three times. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am going to tell you the creative team of the musical, though, because I think it's important. Because, wow, this is a star-studded creative team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the musical book is Heather Hatch. She wrote the screenplay for Freaky Friday. I think that's why this musical sounds like a 90s movie. Wait, is it the the, the Lindsay Lohan yes, Freaky Friday? Yes, that one. Oh, <laughs> um, the music and lyrics are by Nell Men- Benjamin and Lawrence O'Keefe. They're a husband-wife composing writing duo. She does lyrics. He does music. So he wrote the music for Batboy and Heathers, and she went on to write the lyrics for Mean Girls. So basically, I'm just going to put it out there that they're like the musical teen comedy team. Okay. They made this and went on to write all the other teen musicals that have gone on to be very successful. Um, what I know out of all those is Batboy, and that one's pretty good. So Jerry Mitchell is the director and choreographer. He's the guy. You know his name. He directed Hairspray. He directed and choreographed Kinky Boots. He's done a million shows. And he basically brought his creative set team. So his set is David Rockwell, the Rockwell group guy, but he also did Hairspray, Kinky Boots, a bunch of other shows. Just like the freaking blockbusters. Mm -hmm. And his costume designer is Greg Barnes, who also did Kinky Boots, Aladdin, The Drowsy Chaperone, and a bunch of other costuming things that Jerry Mitchell has worked on. His lights are Kenneth Posner, who also did Wicked and Hairspray. So basically, Jerry Mitchell just brought his star-studded team and was like, guys, I want to make Legally Blonde the musical. Let's do it. And lo, it happened. So let's get into the plot. As you probably know, the show centers around the journey of Elle Woods. Oh, yeah. It starts as she's a UCLA college student finishing her undergrad degree. And the show opens inside her sorority with all of her friends celebrating her coming engagement. Question number two. What sorority is Elle Woods a member of? Is it A, Kappa Phi, B, Delta Nu, C, Delta Phi, or D, Kappa Nu? Mm, Wow, that's one of those. See, now I regret not seeing the movie now. I told you, you weren't allowed to do any research because if you saw the movie, there were going to be questions I couldn't ask. Okay, fair. (laughs) All right, this is what I get for not remembering the movie. I feel like I feel like a bad gay now. Oh, uh, terrible gay. I mean, <laughs> we'll talk about the movie at the end. We'll get to that. All right. Um, Do you want those answers one more time? Is it A, Kappa Phi, B, Delta Nu, C, Delta Phi, or D, Kappa Nu? Is it Delta Phi? It is not Delta Phi. You are a theater failure. It's Delta Nu. She is a Delta New girl. It comes up again. Close enough. You did. You guessed. I got you. So we get to her sorority. All the girls are having a good fucking time celebrating her wedding. They're basically a Greek chorus throughout the show. Her sorority sisters, because Greek life, Greek chorus, it's cute. That makes sense. (laughs) And so in the first song, they basically set up the love story between her and her boyfriend. They help her pick a dress. They get her set to go to the big dinner thing. And we have all those moments that happen in like the first 10 minutes of the movie. So we're going to listen to that right now. The song is called Oh My God, You Guys. Oh, Lordy. Like, okay, so the girls are nicer than in the movie. Like, her friends in the show are, like, in the movie are terrible. Well, they talk trash about her. Because they're supposed to be, like, vapid sorority girls. So, but, like, her friends in the sorority are nice. They're just fucking nice. In the musical? Yeah. Okay. 
It's peppy, right? It's fun. Yeah. So, getting back to the story. After we have her fun little dress scene, she gets dressed up with all her girlfriends. We get to the dinner. And this dinner has a song. And this song, it's, it's pretty good. But it's, it's a little bit of a ballad. It's Warner's song. Warner only gets one song and this is it. Well, first of all, thank God because he's a, he was a shitty character from what I remember anyway. So He is the worst garbage bag boy. Okay, okay, actually, no, we're stopping this and I have a PSA. If you are dating a Warner Huntington third, if you, if you yourself are in a relationship <laughs> where, where your boyfriend is telling you that he is finished and he wants to be a senator by 30, so you need to be more serious, leave! He's a garbage bag! <laughs> Don't do this to yourself. Everyone deserves a yeah. better person than Warner Huntington III. You do not need to be a, an L Woods. Fucking triple A grade garbage. Like He is Alameda, a garbage boy. Alameda County dump bullshit. So <clears throat> we have this big dinner with Warner Huntington III. And he basically tells her that he's about to go off to law school. He wants to be a senator by the time he's 30. And he needs someone serious. And that is this song that I'm going to play for you. Take some action. He's so smooth. He's like a smooth boy. Smooth fuck boy. Well, if you listen, this is a proposal song. This is a proposal song. And that's why it's funny. So, so she breaks up with this boy. He's an awful garbage bag human. And he's like, you're too dumb. You're not serious enough to be a senator's wife. Deuces. The, the fucking Kennedy comment. I can't. Less of a Marilyn, more of a Jackie, guys. So. So first of all, rude. Marilyn was a fucking, like, bad bitch on her own. Marilyn like, supposedly is the one who screwed a president. So I'm just saying, if you have political aspirations. <laughs> yeah, JS. So this happens. Elle sulks in her room for 12 days. She does not come out. The sisters are concerned. There is not as much of, like, an epiphany moment. So in the movie, she, like, sees Warner's brother getting engaged to an ugly rich girl. And she's like, this is the kind of girl Warner wants. There's less of that moment. They don't go to a salon. She basically just comes out of her room one day and one of her sisters maybe tells her that or just tells her something. And she's like, guys, I have a plan. And so, during that plan, she basically says, I'm gonna go to law school, I'm gonna get a sorority sister to help me pass my LSAT, they take out that, like, dumb counsel advisor, that's not a character, it's just one of her sorority sisters, cause sure, mm -hmm. she, she gets her dad to pay for law school, she gets accepted into Harvard, and it happens in one song. So, we're not wasting any more time at UCLA, we are going to law school. It happens, there's a song called What You Want, and we're gonna listen to it, but before then, I have a question for you. We are at... Question number three. Elle Woods actually has a 4.0 GPA at UCLA. What is her major in? Is it A, fashion business, B, fashion design, C, fashion merchandising, or D, fashion advertising? Shit, I thought it was, see, because I, I remember like the, you, you know, I remember that, that one twist at the end in the courtroom. I thought it was cosmetology because of that, but now there's like fashion. She's definitely a fashion major. Because in the movie, so fun fact, this is a line from the movie that I hate is cut. She makes a line of faux fur panties for her sorority charity auction. And that's in her Harvard application as an extracurricular activity. <laughs> okay. Wait, so what were the options again? I will tell you them again. Is she A, a fashion business major? 
B, a fashion design major, C, a fashion merchandising major, or D, a fashion advertising major? Design. She's a merchandising major. Merchandise. I have a 4.0 average in fashion merchandising. What makes you think you can do this? <gasps> what is it? It's a bullshit major. I don't even think fashion merchandising is a major, which is kind of why I think Elle Woods is taking it. I, kind of explains why it threw me off. Yep. It's okay, though. <laughs> you tried. That one was hard. So we have a song. It's called What You Want. And it's the song where she gets into Harvard. So in the movie, I feel like I should put this out there. In the movie, she sends in a video that's directed by a Coppola. In the musical, she does not send in a personal essay. She just flies to Harvard with her friends and performs a musical number. And that is this. Of course. (sighs) What is this? How much did they pay for that product placement? Here's my personal essay. I'm a walk in with a marching band. Would Harvard let you do this? <laughs> Can you get into an, an admissions office with a marching band? I don't know. Let me call up uh, composer John Adams and ask him. I feel like Columbia would allow this. <laughs> my school would allow this. Berkeley College of Music might. Right? <laughs> why do they gotta have a British accent, though? Why can't you give them a trashy-ass Boston accent? That's not everyone <laughs> else has. No, because we are a posh admission school. We will have violins and British accents, damn it. Maybe on that side of the river, but... But so, like, musically, this, this show is high energy and pretty well put together. Yeah. So, Elle Woods makes it to Harvard. We're gonna go into another song because... It's not a super important song. I'm just going to play it to you. Basically, she gets to Harvard. Okay, we have to talk about the significant change in the movie first, actually. I'm sorry. So the significant Uh change in the movie to the musical. In the movie, she does not meet Emmett until later. And she doesn't really interact with him at all besides, like, one scene where they talk about their professors until she has the internship. Um, so clarify one thing for Emmett is Luke Wilson yeah is that his name yeah he's the hot guy the guy her her love interest the 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 Luke Wilson in the movie is his name Luke Wilson I kept calling him Emmett the whole movie his name is Emmett in the musical I I literally only know him by Luke Wilson Uh, okay so yeah no he's he's not the same boy She doesn't really, like, get to interact with him until she has her internship in the movie. Mm. In the musical, he is their TA. Oh. He's the TA for Callahan's class. Okay. It makes sense. It's just different. Okay. It causes some changes. But the first thing it causes is Emmett does the stupid little circle thing that they do. (laughs) Right? The, like, let's get to know each other. Yeah. Emmett is the person who leads that. Yeah. And it's a song. It doesn't serve much purpose except to introduce all the characters that you want from the movie and to explain that everyone is an asshole except Ellen Emmett. And so we're going to listen to it because that's really the only thing the song does. But it's a good song. Okay. And it's called The Harvard Variations. Such an academic title. We have definitely gotten into like thematically posh music. Some say that I'm a pompous creep. Somehow I don't lose that much sleep. Why they really got, they really put oboes in. the perfect place for me. That little snare roll. Welcome to Harvard. What's up? I actually think all of these characters are better excepting in hoops. But you may call me your majesty. 
Oh my god, I love that freaking. Elwood's the... ha- has some sassy lines. That was the freaking one of the best lines from the movie I too. I totally forgot Just... to go here. What? Like it's hard. <laughs> oh my god, this. Yeah. So. I wish I had that kind of energy. So we finally got into Harvard. We finally get to class. Mm. We do not have any of the other classes. I learned about the Aristotle teacher for the first time watching the movie because she is not in the show, and that is a crime. <laughs> That is a crime. Bring that woman back and give her lines. I forgot. What did the Aristotle woman do again? So she's basically the legal teacher who is not a shit show. She is not okay. Callahan. And so she's Elle Woods's motivation. And so at the end of the movie, she's the person who tells Elle Woods not to quit. And she's like, if you're going to let one awful prick ruin your life... You're not the girl I thought you were. And she leaves because she's in the salon. Yeah, so there's none of that. There's none of that. All of that is Vivian. All of that just becomes Vivian's part. (laughs) Because, yeah, we're about to meet. So so we finally got to class, right? There's only one class, yes. It's only Callahan. He's the only teacher left. And we are about to meet Vivian. Because Vivian, Warner, Elle, Enid, everyone is in the same class because there's only one class. So (laughs) Vivian and Warner are going to do everything all of the mean things in in one go no we're gonna space it out but but we are gonna get all of the mean school things so we get to her class it's criminal law 101 and her teacher is professor callahan just like in the movie except he's a hard ass he is the hard ass and he actually has a song that is his song that basically tells all the law students you're too nice you're too kind. You're too moral. You all need to become sleazebag lawyers. <laughs> it is called Blood in the Water. Oh, jeez. And it is also where Vivian gets Elle kicked out of class because she doesn't do the reading. That still happens. It just happens in Callahan's class. Oh. So that's what's about to happen now. Okay. It's a sexy shark song, and we're going to listen to it. <laughs> Not like some baby shark bullshit, hopefully. No. No, because lawyers are sharks. Oh. Our topic is blood in the water. He's definitely Billy Flynn. Oh, right. God. But he is. To a T. Oh my God. This even sounds like all I care about is love. Dude, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, like, it's very much that smooth. I I can already, like, see the posse choreography, like, in my head. I think, yes. I I would do this. I think I would actually do this with, like, dream showgirls. I would make it a Chicago number. Hypothetical question. So we did it. Elle got kicked out of class. She didn't do the assigned reading. Oh, what a tragedy. She uh-huh. also finds out that Warren and Vivian are dating. Of course they are. And this this tragedy, all of these tragedies, actually cause her to hallucinate the Delta New Sisters. And the Delta New Sisters sing her a song to try to cheer her up. It's called Positive. It's a great song. This is definitely when the sisters start becoming the Greek chorus. And basically, yeah, they're just Elle's hallucinations because she misses home. And I think it's really smart. It's a smart way to keep the chorus in the show once you go out of the location. Also, musically, gives you the opportunity to get some of those sick vocal harmonies. Yeah, like, it just gives you a chance to have more people on stage doing big numbers. Like, this show has very few small ballads. So how many girls are in the Greek chorus anyway? It's like 10. It's pretty big. Oh, shit. It's a pretty big chorus. It's all of her sisters. So that means we have potentially Eric Whitaker style melodies happening at any potential time. And there are definitely like two or three that are soloists. Okay. She definitely has like three main friends. Okay. And then, and then like the rest of them. There are, are just yes, like, there are some that harmonize, like, but they don't get lines. 
like individual lines. So would you say it's like, yeah, like you could easily get like three or four. You could probably do it with four people, but you could also have as many as you wanted. If you wanted a cast of 15 girls, you could have a cast of 15 girls in that number. Okay. But yeah, so, so she hallucinates a group of girls. And they sing her a song while she's standing outside the the class after class. Aw, okay. It's okay. It's a good song. This is one of the ones that I have a lyric question about. So we're going to pause it in the middle. But I am going to make you listen to it because it's good. Okay. Honestly, I'd say the same shit, you know, I'm, I feel it. Her friends are good fucking friends, right? So, like, this scene kind of happens in the movie. She goes and calls her friends. Yeah. And they're getting married. Like, they're getting ready for her friend's wedding and ignore her. Oh, yeah. Like, no, her ghost friends are here just fucking killing her. Yeah. Shake that junk. Unexpected key change. Look, junk shaking is enthusiastic and requires a modulation. Okay. Oh boy. So you just heard Elle sing the line, Girls, I'm positive that we've taken this too far. No, I'm positive. Which of these is the correct lyric to finish out the line? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) A, this is Harvard, not a stripper bar. B, now I don't even know where they are. C, that I'll never be some legal star. D, that I shouldn't try and key his car. Once again, the line is, Girls, I'm positive that we've taken this too far. No, I'm positive. A, this is Harvard, not a stripper bar. B, now I don't even know where they are. C, that I'll never be some legal star. Or D, that I shouldn't try and key his car. Ugh. All right, that's... Um, am I good at writing lyrics? I think I am. Yeah, you are You are good at writing lyrics because I'm just like, now I'm, just, I'm, try, I'm really trying to think of this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the people that actually know this musical are going to freaking kill me, like, by the end of this whole thing, but... Never. No killing allowed. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> um, I will have to say, uh, the legal star one. This is Harvard. Not, not a, a stripper, stripper bar. That was not the... That That's the real one. lyric. <laughs> that was, like, the last one. Holy shit. Damn, you are good at writing lyrics. Because they all shook their junk. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely a show I'd play the violin book for. It's pretty. It has good music. It has it has some good things about it. It's got good parts. Yeah, like, it has some good moments. There are definitely some fun things. Yeah. I think this is a great student musical. Oh. Right? Like, it's not too racy. There's lots of good songs. There's lots of female roles that are solos. It's not to mention that it's also based on source material that's not that old. And, right, you don't have to be that old. Like, you can be 17-year-olds looking like college students. Yeah, all of that. All of that. I I think all (laughs) of it is really important. Like, I think this is a great show for that. I've seen seen student productions of it. I think it works great. Okay. And also, all the parts sound fun. Like, this doesn't sound like one of those books where... Right? This is not Bye Bye Birdie. Here's because here's one problem that I have with like older musicals in particular. And like just for me being in the pit and playing violin, a lot of the parts just consist of me just holding notes for like days. That's another thing that I noticed that violinists have to do is just tremolo. Oh, yeah. All the and just hold it. The most egregious example of that would definitely be Wagner. Have you listened to any of his operas? I've looked at scores for them. It's pages on pages on pages. There's so many musical theater moments, though, that are just. 
and just that for like 20 seconds dude oh yeah no like like... the producers is probably my big because like the producers is a a 2005 musical Uh that i know about that one does golden age things right but so all of those those recitatives Uh what do i say all of them (laughs) how did you make your violinist do this but so, yeah. we're getting off, off track a little bit. Back back to the show. Yeah. So she gets kicked out. She sings this song with her little ghost Greek chorus. Uh-huh. And it doesn't cheer her up. And so she basically decides, I can't be a blonde anymore. Blondes are too much fun, and I need to be serious. <laughs> so she goes to look for a salon. And she finds the hair affair run by Paulette, who is our beautiful, wonderful belter character she's our comedic lead she's the best friend bless and she gets some good ass songs so Elle comes to the salon and she tells paulette i can't be blonde anymore change my hair i want to be serious and paulette says that's a terrible idea why would you ever want to not be a blonde so Elle tells her Elle says like i've got this boy and i love him but he wants someone serious and i need to be serious so make me a brunette and she tells Elle, you know the number one reason behind all bad hair decisions love <laughs> don't don't do it i was gonna say a boy but close enough uh and she tells her when she's sad and alone she thinks about her favorite place she bought this cd for the store she thinks about her favorite place and plays the cd mm-hmm. question number five. Oh boy what is paulette's favorite place on earth is it A, Sweden? Is it B, Ireland? Is it C, Jersey? Or is it D, Los Angeles? This is what I get for not, again, for not seeing the movie. This is not in the movie at it's all. It's not? It is not in the movie at all. It's not? Okay. Okay, now we're getting to the hard questions. This, okay. is, this is the title of the song, by the way. Whatever title you pick will be the title of the song. Ugh. Part of me really wants to say Jersey. <laughs> A, Sweden? B, Ireland? C, Jersey, or D, Los Angeles? I don't know. For me, it's a toss-up between those last two. But I, I don't know. I really want to say Jersey because I feel like that's a good thing. Like Are That's a very Jersey? Paulette thing to say. The answer is actually Ireland. Ah! Okay. <laughs> yep, I, I thought Paulette would say Jersey because she seems like a Jersey girl. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You're good. You're good. But yes, so Paulette's favorite place is Ireland, and she's going to sing you a song. She's going <laughs> to sing you a beautiful song. So let's listen to it. Celtic moons. Oh my <laughs> like, god. Like, I'm convinced that Paulette just bought an Enya album. <laughs> For those of you that can't see, I'm like face palming hella hard right now just because. No, because I had a friend that was into like folk music, especially like Irish like folk music, and he'd send me a bunch of recordings like this, and I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Ireland's clearly a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I got two questions. <laughs> Tell got... me your questions. All right. One, how, what is the sound design for this musical like? I just need to know how many like sound effects are they using? So for this? I do like, know. What's the soundboard. I know the company who made it, but I cannot tell you that. I happen to know that Broadway casts are rather secretive about this oh of course they don't always tell you their full orchestra on the cast albums oh no totally it's really obnoxious i only find that out through like mti or something like that. yeah so i i don't have an answer for you but i can basically tell you it's a cast recording that was made by 
the Broadway cast recording studio. Yeah. Yeah. And and, that... and they they have iffy credits. So if anyone knows, please let me know. But yeah. I have not been able to find that in my research. All right. So Paulette sang about Ireland. She convinces Elle to get her shit together. She she cheers her up a little bit. They decide, I think, like, to just do a, a wash and dry or something, like a wash and style. Oh, jeez. And while this is happening, Vivian walks in. I don't know how they... F- I, I don't know. She Musical just... magic. She just appears. Of course. Vivian appears, and she says, Hey, Elle, I'm throwing a costume party. You should come. Oh, uh, this is the one where she comes dressed up as the bunny. This is the bunny. <laughs> Elle clearly doesn't think this is a fucking trap because she goes and and has, yep, she is the bunny. Plot twist, it's not a costume party. She is the only person there in a costume. This is all exactly like the movie. Like, this scene happens and it is very much the scene like the movie once we get out of the salon. Okay. She goes as a bunny. They might say the frigid bitch line, but I don't think they do. At least not in the school version. I know they don't. (laughs) Of course. And so then she's in this bunny costume. She's at this party. Her and Warner, like, maybe kind of have a moment. He feels bad for her because they sing a song. Oh. And so, like, they have a minute... He kind of is nice to her, but then he calls her stupid and says she's not serious again, and she runs out of the party. That's when she meets Emmett. So she's on the street crying. Uh Emmett walks by and sees her in this bunny costume, and that's when they have their first moment. They don't really get a teacher moment because there are no more teachers. There's only Callahan. So this is the moment that is their meet cute moment. Okay. And he basically tells her a song, get your shit together. How are you going to law school for a dude that is this trash bag? Do better for yourself. Again, for all the people out there, don't be in Elle Woods. Dump your Warner. Dump your Warner. Dump your Warner. Get yourself an Emmett. Hashtag dump your Warner. (laughs) Oh, if if that's what becomes the trending hashtag from this podcast, I will be a happy woman. Dump your Warner. All right. She gets invited to this party. They have a moment. And then Emmett sings her a fucking song. So you're going to get Ireland reprise, serious reprise, and chip on my shoulder. And we're just going to listen to him because these two are fucking short. A lot of reprises. So there's not. Those are really the two. And they just happen to be back to back. These are really the only reprises in the show. That's interesting. Makes it seem like there's a lot, though, because they're like right next to each other. I wish that she realized he was a trash bag on her own. This is my least favorite thing about the musical. Where are your law books? Um, well, I know they're here somewhere. You know, See, like, I wish she just did this. I, I wish she didn't do this. Well, I know they're here somewhere. Yeah, like, I don't like this part. I wish she just did this. Although, you know what? Low-key, low-key, that was me. Spend some time improving what's inside your head. So we did that. Elle gets her shit together. Emmett helps her. They all apply for the internship. Everyone does the thing. The four people who get it are Enid Hoops, Vivian and Warner, and Elle. Of course. And so what happens is Elle is the last person to get there because she doesn't think she's going to get it. And so what she actually sees before the list is Warner proposing to Vivian on the spot once he finds out that they both get the internship. And so Elle is heartbroken and almost walks away without looking at the paper. 
And then she sees she got it too. And that validation is the best thing that she's ever felt. And she sings a whole damn song about it. Shits on Warner, calls her mom, and dances into intermission living her best life. Ooh, good. Act one finale. This is the act one finale. We get the internship and we go off into the happy little intermission sunset okay. before things get a little too real. So yeah, this is her, uh, I guess I would call it an achievement song. Not the I want song. The I did it song. Okay. Right. It's called So Much Better. It starts sad though, because, you know, you proposal. Just, yeah. Proposal. I hoped. I really hoped, Warner. It, start, it starts in a dark place. Right? Because she has not given up on him yet. Uh -huh. This is the point she gives up. Again, with the said it at the beginning, the modulations in this musical somebody's judgment was <laughs> Yeah, whenever I'm sad about a boy, I really try to listen to this song. <laughs> God, now I wish I knew this musical when I was in high school. <laughs> best, best part of the show. Oh my God. It's a fun show. Like, oh, it's a cute time. Well, that's how you finish off an act. That's how you finish off an act one. It's a good act one ender. She lives her best life. She completely gives up on Warner. She has realized he's the trash bag. Good. Hashtag dump your Warner. Hashtag dump your Warner. And yeah, she's really just ready to go into her internship. So that's the end of act one. We're going to take a really quick break. Get some water. Go to the bathroom. Make sure you're still comfortable and stuff. We'll be back in a quick minute and we'll finish out the plot, give our opinions on the show, and we'll also see where Nico's stacking up on that score list. Probably pretty shitty, honestly. <laughs> you never know. And you've still got plenty of time left to answer some questions. See you back here at the end of our intermission. Hey there, everyone. We really hope you're enjoying the first episode of Broadway Battles. If you do like the show, I'm just here real quick to tell you a few more ways you can connect with and support us. As always, the most helpful tool for a new show is recommendations from fans. So if you know someone who loves musicals or trivia, tell them about the show. You can also share our episodes on your own sites, tag us at hashtag Broadway Battles, and give our episodes a great review, a five-star rating, a like or comment, whatever you're listening on, every little bit of engagement really does help. I'm currently working on the production side of the show myself, so research, writing, editing, scheduling recordings, that's all me. That means if you want updates on the show, or if you want to send me recommendations for episodes, your thoughts, or maybe even want to be a guest yourself, you can find all of that at my personal website, HaleySlammon.com, my Facebook artist page, Haley Slammon, or on my Instagram and Twitter, at Haley Slammon. That's H-A-L-E-Y-S-L-A-M-O-N. It's got all the news about what I'm working on and a bunch of things I've made. If you love what I'm doing and want to support my work even more, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash For as little as a dollar a month, you can get cool perks like unedited episodes, exclusive streams, secret pictures, handmade gifts, and more. Plus, every dollar you give goes back into making more cool art to share with you. I'd love to be able to hire more people and make even more high-quality episodes for you, but that doesn't happen for free. So for now, the Patreon is the best way to guarantee better and more frequent work. Thank you so much again for listening and supporting the stuff we're making, because of course, this doesn't happen without your help. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, everyone, and welcome back to Broadway Battles. We're so glad you joined us after the break. When we last left off, Elle Woods had gotten to law school. She'd gotten over her Warner. She'd gotten an internship. She'd gotten a boyfriend who is a boy and a friend, and he's helping her become a law student. Oh, we also got Paulette's dog back. That scene did happen, just so you know. 
During the act one finale? During the act one scene. During, I think it's that montage really with Emmett. So one did... of the like montage things that happens is she goes and gets the dog back. Uh, it's a thing that just proves she's becoming more lawyerly. Okay. She's slowly becoming a law student. She's not the dumb blonde that um, everyone thinks she is anymore. So we start act two. We have our interns. We have Callahan. We're all in a big fancy law office. And we're actually going over his newest client. So let's talk about Brooke. Uh, Brooke this, Wyndham is in this show. I remember this whole, the whole trial. The whole the trial end. is a thing. We're actually being introduced to Brooke Wyndham through one of her videos. Oh boy. Mul- opportunity for multimedia staging. Uh, they're watching a video and the video is happening on stage. Oh. And it's kind of that like cut back and forth freeze frame okay. in between the like tape and the dialogue. Because they're basically learning that Brooke Wyndham is a successful fitness person who is accused of murdering her billionaire husband by her stepdaughter. She basically came home. She says she found her husband's body. Uh-huh. Her stepdaughter says she saw Brooke covered in his blood. So she got arrested. She's accused of murder. Her stepdaughter is saying, Mm -hmm. this woman is a gold digger and murdered my father for the insurance money. Uh Brooke doesn't have an alibi and has both motive and ability to commit this murder. She's, She's 20 years younger than her husband. Of course. She's financially successful, but he is more financially successful than her. And so the argument is basically she's killing him for the insurance money. Okay. So question number six. Brooke is successful and famous in her own right. What is Brooke's occupation? Is she A, a personal trainer? B, a professional jockey, like a horse rider? Mm -hmm. C, a jump rope workout instructor? Or D, a long distance runner? Personal trainer, professional jockey, jump rope workout instructor, or long distance runner? Right. This is another one of those things that I'm going to have to like guess on. This got changed a little bit. It is not the same. So I will, I will tell you in the movie, she has butt buster 5,000 workout and that is her thing. Yeah. She's like, she's a personal trainer of some sort or a video trainer, workout videos, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, so are you going with personal trainer or workout instructor? Wait, those are two different options? Those are two different options. Personal trainers are people who do, like, one-on-one training, right? They don't do videos. Workout instructors do the videos. What were were the other two options? Professional jockey, like a professional horse rider, or a long-distance runner. So if you're going workout videos, you probably want the workout instructor. Yeah. You're going workout instructor? She is, in fact, a jump rope workout instructor. You got another point! (laughs) By the way, you're at two points. So if you want to get some more bragging rights, you might need to. But you have five questions left, so there is plenty of time. Oh, boy. Okay. I told you I was uh, getting this kind of... You're doing fine. (laughs) Out of of 11 questions, if you didn't know any of them and you got two, I mean, meh. All right. That was question six, and so you've gotten two out of six right just by guessing. That's not bad. All right. So, in fact, Brooke is a jump rope workout instructor. She has a patented Cardio Whip 5000 that is guaranteed to lose you three pounds per workout and also be a perfect defense weapon. If you have an attacker, it will shatter their spine. And let me guess, the dude's spine was shattered. The dude's spine was not shattered. He was just shot in the face. Oh. <laughs> it's R- fine, though. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> so, Brooke's husband gets shot. She's covered in his blood. Stepdaughter sees it, accuses her of murder. There is no gun. She does not have a gun on her but she's covered in his blood. Elle obviously thinks that she's innocent. Right. Everyone else doesn't. And Elle is like, I want to help her. She's also a Delta New sister, and I'm a Delta New sister. 
I gotta help this woman. I took her workout. I just don't think she's capable of doing this. Well, that makes sense. And so Callahan is like, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, Go get me her alibi if you're such a good sorority sister. So Elle does. Elle does this. She goes, she's like, I'm a Delta Nu. They have a little stupid Delta Nu song. Delta Nu, 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 Delta Nu, Nu, Nu. (laughs) And it's not on the album, but that happens in the show. She sings her the little sisterhood song in jail, and that's how she convinces Brooke Wyndham to tell her her alibi. Because they're sorority sisters. Mm Mm-hmm. And they always will be. (laughs) (laughs) So Brooke Wyndham's alibi is that she was a fitness instructor who, on the day of her husband's murder, was getting liposuction. (sighs) And she can't tell anyone because it will ruin her career. In the movie, there's a line that says, women aren't able to have this ass naturally. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's great, right? So she can't be a liar. She can't ruin her business by, by giving this alibi. She says she'd rather go to jail than ruin her reputation. And Brooke's like, save me, Elle. And Elle is like, okay, uh-huh. we'll do it without your alibi. So she goes, she tells everyone, I got the alibi. I won't tell it to you. <laughs> I can't do that. I promised her. And everyone is super mad at her. Of and everyone course. also blames Emmett. I because... don't know because they're friends. Because everyone else hates her and Emmett's the only person that's nice to her. So clearly they also should shun him. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... fine. Right? It's high school shit in college. Yeah, but so all of that happens. Brooke gets a great song. Brooke gets a song that's called Whipped Into Shape, and it's her workout video song. This is the opener for Act 2, and they also discuss how they're gonna win her case, basically. That's what we can be! Yeah! So grab your Cardio Whip 5000. Cardio Whip 5000. Yeah, so they do jump rope tricks on stage. This is, this is really why this happened. Shit. If you're singing like that and jump roping. Yeah, she sings this whole song jump roping. God damn. <laughs> yeah. I'd be dead after four bars. Things, things that Jerry Mitchell does well. Dancing choreography with props are really his thing. All right. So that's Brooke's song. We go and get her alibi. Mm-hmm. We have a good time in the jail. Do the Broadway workout, everyone. Do the Broadway jail workout. Yeah, have you ever noticed that, like, a lot of big dance numbers in musicals happen in prison? Oh, yeah, huh? Hairspray. Hairspray, Chicago. Chicago. This. There's there's several. They're in there. So we go to the jail. We come back. We've got That's our alibi. Sexy, and, and, yeah, so everyone's mad at Emmett and, and Elle because they won't tell Warner or Callahan or Vivian or anyone the alibi. Of course. Emmett's a little mad. I mean, he's not mad. He just doesn't understand. Right. He's like, Why? And Brooke is like, I gave my word. And Emmett's kind of like, I respect that. Yeah. But it kind of sucks. So Elle wants to cheer him up. And he's helped her a lot. And she wants to help him. In the show, he's a lot more schlubby. Like, so in the movie, he's suave. Yeah. He is put together. In the musical, he's still, like, a third-year college student. He's kind of like a dweeb. No, he's really just, he doesn't have time to care about how he looks because he's going to school and working two jobs. Okay. He does not give two shits about his appearance. That is why he tells Elle to use shampoo and conditioner in one, because he doesn't care. Yeah. And he doesn't care what anyone thinks about him, but Elle really wants to help him out. And as a lawyer, you kind of gotta be be put together. Yeah. So she helps him out. She tries to cheer him up and she takes him to her favorite place. Question number seven. Uh, what is Elle's favorite place in the world? These are your options. Does Elle take Emmett to A? Does she just take him on a long drive in her convertible? B, does she take him to a department store? C, does she take him to Paulette's salon? Or D, does she take him to the Harvard library? Long drive in the convertible, a department store, 
Paulette Salon or the Harvard Library? What you taking, Nico? Why do I feel like it's the salon? You picking the salon? I'm picking the salon. It's not the salon. It's not the salon. She takes him to a department store and gives him a makeover. Of course it's a department store. Of course she takes him to a department store and gives it a makeover. Like, once I said it, you knew. I did know, but yep. I still I still guessed like you know, a freaking dingus. You know, it's okay. It's good to take the bold guess sometimes. Sometimes it's good to take the bold guess, but today it didn't work out for you. Yeah. Today, but you're so. still going to listen to a great song. So it's a win-win anyway. Because, yeah, she takes him shopping, she gives him a makeover, and she sings him a really cute little duet. It's called Take It Like a Man. That's what she said. That's what my boyfriend said last night. Department stores in Boston are particularly unremarkable, too. Wow. Maybe Elle just knows. Elle knows the good stores. All right. And then she buys him everything. You helped me. I'm giving you a makeover. And, yeah, he gets really hot. I look like Warner. But it's just me. But I'm not a trash bag boy. So this number is when they go to the department store. Right? Uh-huh. In the movie, none of that happens. They go to a spa to interview the mother, the murder guy's mm. ex-wife. Okay. And she basically calls Brooke a, a two-timing slut. Like, she basically <laughs> says she's stooping the, the pool boy and everything. But, oh, yeah, okay. they don't meet the mother at all. Like, the, the ex-wife <clears throat> mom is not in the, the musical at all. She's not a character. They never go to her spa. Yeah, I would assume they'd be cutting mostly, like, minor characters. Yeah, they from... just do this scene instead. And I think that's a good change. So, yeah, we do that. We give Emmett a great makeover. And then Elle just needs some of her own downtime, I guess, because she goes back to the salon. We're just kind of taking a break from the law stuff for a minute. Yeah. Because we're going to Paulette's salon and we're meeting that hot UPS guy. Yeah, the pot. And we're learning how to bend to... and snap. Here we go. The bend and snap. So after I... she makes over Emmett, she goes to Paulette's salon and Kyle, the hot uh-huh. UPS guy, is there. There we go. And yes, yeah, so this is the time that Elle kind of sees that Paulette can't talk to men. Also, pro tip, get yourself a courier guy. I got me a FedEx guy. Paulette got her UPS guy. <laughs> Do I need a, a, a mail guy? Should I get like a USPS guy? Eh, don't get USPS. Don't get don't get Amazon. Whoa. Stick with, Whoa. Stick with FedEx or UPS. But free flat rate shipping, my friend. All right. USPS has flat rate shipping. Fair. If it fits in the box, it travels for six bucks. Sounds good enough to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. So Paulette can't talk to this hot UPS guy and Elle wants to help her out. So mm-hmm. of course her and her magical Delta new sisters are going to teach this woman how to bend and snap. Oh. Yes. So uh, all, all the ghosts fuck with Paulette. I mean, so it's, it's several people. There are UCLA sorority sister ghosts, but there are also just people in the salon, like in the same way that she teaches the entire salon to bend and snap. That kind of happens. Oh yeah. It's a group number. Yeah. It's another group number. And it's fun. I don't think Bend and Snap is going to be the song you think it's going to be. But here it is. Nowadays I do die jobs and curls, but here's how we did it in the Laker Girls. Yeah, Bend and Snap has a musical tag. Perfect. <laughs> the UCLA Bend and Snap. <laughs> in a little sassier. Works Look, do it and we'll go away. The Delta okay, New Girls. Okay, okay. Yes, we will harass you until you Bend and Snap as it goes. Paulette can kill it. <laughs> Paulette can kill it. Oh, yeah, she smacks him in the face. She does break his nose. She breaks his nose. Oh, no. We do the bend and snap. Paulette tries to make her move, and she breaks his nose. Rip. But we got to go back to court, guys. We don't have time. So it immediately cuts back to the trial. We are at the first day, and Brooke's pool boy is on the stand, claiming that they have an affair. So, so the pool boy basically says, Brooke watches him 
clean the pool and sits out by the pool while she's topless and makes him bring her drinks in a bikini that she makes him wear. Like a thong bikini. And yeah, so he claims they're having an affair. Of course. They are sleeping together. L can tell he's full of shit. Mm-hmm. And the reason L can tell he's full of shit is because she thinks he's gay. So no, L doesn't actually have any legitimate evidence. But she says to her legal team, this man is gay. And, and everyone else says, prove it. No, 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 no. No, L, you're wrong. He's not gay. He's European. <laughs> you fool. L, he's just European. They raise their boys differently. <laughs> oh and so God. there's a song. There's a song called They're Right There, parentheses, gay or European. And it's the trial song. It is phenomenal. This might be the best song in the show. It doesn't advance a lot of plot, but it's a fun time. But like a lot of good songs and good shows, they don't advance the plot, but they're still a good And I'm not I'm not going to tell you the plot twist at the end of this song, but there is one, and it's coming. What, he's gay? Jesus Christ. I feel like there's a difference between like being metro and actually gay though. Enid has a dyke opinion. A metro hetero jerk. Yep. This is a lyrical masterpiece. I think actually the funniest line in the movie is him coming out and eating hoops in the background saying, how did I not know? Wow. This is, wow. So that happens and it doesn't advance the plot a lot, but it's a fun time. I mean, I mean, I said, like I said earlier, it doesn't have to advance the plot. If it's a good song, it's a fucking good song. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I have actors who would disagree with you, but I, I tend to think that's true. Hey, come on. Like Broadway rhythm for singing in the rain. So it's a fun song doesn't do shit for the plot. Emmett saves the day. He outs this man as gay and European plot twist. <laughs> and therefore he is, he's clearly not having an affair with Brooke. She clearly has no motive. It's a big win for the defense. So they all go back to the law office and they celebrate. Warner's kind of a dick. He's basically trying to say that, like, Elwood just has good gaydar. And that's not a good legal defense. She's (laughs) not a good lawyer. Like, he's just shitty. He's, He's jealous and shitty that she's better and doing more for the case than him. So he acts like a dick. Callahan makes him, like, go get him coffee. It's kind of funny. So it's an illusion. I get it now because it's an illusion to the joke in the movie that he always makes Vivian get him coffee. Oh. So yeah, uh, this never happens, but we should talk about it. In the movie, Vivian always gets him coffee and her and Elle actually get very close to being friends because they are able to have like a very nice scene moment Mm -hmm. where Vivian's like, have you ever noticed that Callahan only asked me to bring him coffee? Like doesn't ask any of the men to do it. Warner can't do his own laundry. Men are garbage. Yeah. And you have dated my boyfriend, so you know. And I'm gonna, like, they have that moment. It's nice. It's a good female moment. Yeah, it's a good, like, fuck this guy. Yeah, like, like, they are both women in a very male-dominated, high-powered job. Yeah. And I don't buy that they would hate each other this much over a man. 
That's my personal opinion. I very much like the character development that happens in the movie, and I'm very sad that it doesn't get as much time here. I would say if you're going to fail the Bechdel test in any way, that would be a good way to do it. I mean, it, it still passes the Bechdel test. Okay. But I just, I miss those scenes. I think those scenes are good for the female characters in the movie. Right. I think they make them more human and less catty, jealous. Bitches. <laughs> well, not even bitches, but just women who are willing to be awful to each other for a man. Right. And they both understand that. I he just kinda, want less of he that. He kind of isn't all that. Here. Right? I want them both to know he's garbage. Because I think already. Vivian knows he's garbage. Well, Elle for sure knows that he's garbage right now. Yeah. And like, I don't think Vivian really finds out that he's garbage until the end of the musical whereas in the movie i think she knows i think she knows up front that he is useless and he is her trophy husband <laughs> i i it's how i read the movie but okay. so Elle gets to celebrate warner's shitty him and vivian go out callahan sends everyone else out too but then he asks Elle to stay for a minute in the movie, this is kind of subtle, and he just does, like, a thigh thing and talks about her career. Oh, yeah. In the musical, he full-on kisses her. He uh, forcibly kisses her. Ugh. And so, important things. Big yikes. Yes. Big yikes. He kisses her. Vivian and Warner happen to be outside. They've come back from coffee. Oh, and they actually see They him. see it. Oh. He kisses her. She slaps him. He fires her and leaves. Warner and Vivian see the kiss. Warner is mad and turns away, like what Vivian does in the movie. Uh -huh. Vivian stays to see the slap in the musical. She knows up front. Okay. She knows up front what is happening. Warner thinks Elle's a slut. Please, Lordy, let that be. Uh, let that be her. So here's moment. here's what happens. He fires her. He leaves her in his office. Warner and Vivian go in. And Warner starts talking shit. He starts slut-shaming Elle right there in the goddamn office. And Vivian tells him to shut the fuck up and <laughs> leaves. She, she basically just takes him and drags him out. But Elle is, like, crushed. Right. Because, one, she thought she was good at this lawyer thing, and Callahan only hired her because his relationship with his wife is on the rocks and he wanted a piece of ass. B, of the person that she was in love with, Warner, is now slut-shaming her and thinks she's a stupid blonde who just slept her way to the top. Three, she just got humiliated and assaulted in front of her colleagues. She is done. Yeah. So she goes. She goes back to her dorm. She packs up everything and wants to leave. She wants to go home. She wants to drop out of school. She sings the ballad Legally Blonde. Emmett comes and tries to stop her and tells her he loves her, but it's too late and she leaves anyway. This is the only ballad in the show. It's really pretty. Okay. And yes, this is also the title number. This is Legally Blonde, the song. Where are you going? Looking at it like from a music theory perspective, like it's very wandering. Like mm -hmm. I would say the constant modulating would represent something like she doesn't know what to do now. I also would argue so there's a lot of instruments coming in because she's getting lots of different feelings. Oh, yeah. So like there are more and more instruments coming in because she's having like more and more thoughts about this. Like, oh, there's a different level of this. Yeah. What about love? This is cute. This is good theme use. Oh, yeah. This is the textbook musical theater. They're on a door. They're on two sides of a door. It's really cute. It's a good scene. This is straight out of some Amelie shit. Amelie stole this number. Oh, yeah. Because you know that I'm so much So Elle sings her ballad. She says goodbye to Emmett. He tries to tell her he loves her, but she's not really hearing him. 
She goes to Paulette's salon to say goodbye and to thank her. And who magically shows up again but Vivian? Also Enid Hoops. The two ladies. What, do they just like hang so out they with really, each other? Well, so they're all working together. They're all the interns. They're the three female interns. Right. But I don't know how they find her at the salon. Because Vivian also finds her to invite her to the costume party there. I don't know. Vivian just has a tracking device on Elle. Musical theater. She just follows her from the dorms. <laughs> she sees her drive away and she's just like, I'm going to follow Elle wherever she's going. I don't know. That's my headcanon. Okay. That's what I believe, guys. So what, all, the, both of those girls are basically just Javert or something Yeah, like kind of. <laughs> Vivian is Javert. Um, but so Vivian shows up and is like, Elle, I saw. I saw Callahan kiss you. You can't leave. I have decided we're cool. Good. Yeah. So at least that whole aspect of it. Like, and so them... this, this is kind of their female moment. I don't think it's a strong. So yeah, again, so what happens in the movie? Only Vivian sees the harassment and she leaves before she realizes it is not consensual. So the person who shits on her, it's her instead of Warner. And that makes much more sense because she doesn't give a fuck about Warner at that point in the movie. She yeah. doesn't care what Warner thinks. She's actually friends with Vivian. And so for Vivian to turn around and be like, what a fucking slut. You should just sleep with the jury. Then we're sure to win the case. That hurts her way more than Warner shit-talking her. Right. And so then when she goes and tells Emmett, Emmett is the one who tells Vivian. Vivian doesn't find out until much later. And she's like, oh, I fucked up. Okay. I made a mistake. Like, she doesn't even get to fix that. She just screws up and feels bad about it. Okay. But yeah, so in the musical, they don't make her do the bad things, and they also get her to save the day. So she comes in, she sings Legally Blonde Remix, not Reprise. She pep talks Elle, they go back to the court. Wait, what do you mean? How is it different? Like, what's the difference between a remix and a reprise? It's a remix. It's not a reprise. So say the track listings. So saith the track listings. And I think it's because there's more songs. I, I'll tell you, it's a completely different song. It's not a ballad. But still, like... I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you, but it's a remix. Here's my here's my argument. Good Morning Baltimore. The, repri- the is... reprise of that is a ballad, is it not? So yeah, but it only uses the same musical themes. I believe this has more musical themes. So Good Morning Baltimore is the big song and the reprise gets cut down. Legally Blonde is the main song and the remix gets added to. All right. You'll have to see because Vivian comes in. What are we going to do? We're going to go back to court. We're going to fire Callahan. We're going to take a case. We're going to kick some ass. We're going to have a costume change, lead a parade, go to court and win a trial. (laughs) Woo! But this does have one lyric question in it. So I'm going to have to pause it at some point. But here's Vivian's part. So listen up. No, I will say I give props. I give props to uh, songwriters that can write a melody that works well, both slow and fast. Not the same lyrics at all, so it's not really a reprise. Cool. So, question eight: Vivian sings, but I see a star. You're my new muse. What is the compliment that correctly finishes the line? Is it A. You're gonna keep making news. B. You're not someone they can use. C. You've got the best freaking shoes. Or D, you've got such cutting edge views. Gonna keep making the news. Not someone they can use. Best freaking shoes or cutting edge views, Nico. What you going with? What was the first part of the question again? But I see a star. You're my new muse. What finishes that line? Gonna keep making news. You're not someone they can use. You've got the best freaking shoes. You've got such cutting edge views. You've got the best freaking shoes. It is the best freaking shoes. You get another point. 
Ding right. ding. Okay, yeah, that was an educated guess based on like you, the rest you've of learned, this. right? Like you you get more of what the show is Probably. as you go through the show. You're See? getting there. You currently have three points. Okay. All right. So we're back in court. We're back in the game. Back on the case. Shit's getting real. Shit is about to get real because we are getting to the plot climax. The verdict. Well, no, we have to listen to Brooke's stepdaughter testify. Oh yeah, so, this part. So this is the part. The this is the perm part. So back in court, Brooke's stepdaughter, her name is Chutney. Chutney testifies. <laughs> I forgot her freaking name, Chutney. It so her name's Chutney. It's a lot. She says she went to get a perm. She got home and immediately got in the shower. And when she got out, she saw Brooke covered in blood. She didn't hear the shot because she was washing her hair. And when she gets downstairs, Brooke doesn't have a gun. But obviously she had time to stash it by the time the daughter got downstairs. All of this evidence is completely reasonable. I'm a perfect witness. <laughs> and so Elle, being the beauticious lawyer that she is, knows that you can't get a perm and then take a shower. So she says that they should recreate the scene of the crime for evidence, obviously. Mm -hmm. So she has Paulette, her beauty care expert, come in as an expert witness. She gives Enid Hoops a perm. And then Enid Hoops takes a shower immediately after and comes out wet, flat-haired, and bedraggled as hell. Ah. Uh. Everyone gasps. And Elle obviously explains that you can't take a shower after you get a perm because it deactivates all the chemicals. And Chutney loses her shit. And in her moment of being pressured by Elle's testimony and questioning, she says that she killed her father. She didn't think it was her father. She was trying to kill Brooke because she's the same age as me. Did you know that? <laughs> How would you feel if your father was sleeping with someone the same age as you? So yeah, Elle wins. Elle saves the day with her hair care knowledge. Chutney gets arrested. Brooke goes free. Everyone wins. It's a win-win and a happy ever after. But we're not quite done yet. Except for Warner. <laughs> Except for <laughs> Warner. Warner and Chutney are the real losers in this story. Yeah. Well, Chutney only shows up for like five seconds anyways, so like she can go kind of fuck herself. Well, that's, that's hot. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say Chutney's a murderer so she can go fuck herself, but you know, I'm... I guess she only shows up for two minutes and we don't have to care about her either. But so, the trial is won. Elle has her big moment. She, she gives her TV interviews. She gets all her accolades. And then this garbage boy Warner comes up. And he's all like, <laughs> and he's all like, Vivian dumped me. Would you marry me? You're the girl for me. I want to propose to you. Yikes. Yeah. And that happens in the movie too, by the way. And she is way nicer in the musical than he deserves. She just says no. Mm -hmm. Thank you. No. We get that last little screw you to Warner and we walk away. And then we get a little fast forward in a musical where Elle is giving her yeah. speech as valedictorian. Oh yeah, she does get valedictorian. No, the, she does not in the, the movie, movie, by the she way. Doesn't? She's just an elected speaker. She uh, just was popular enough for everyone to want her to talk. <clears throat> but in the musical, she is the class valedictorian. She is the smartest person in the class. And okay. she gives her speech. But she doesn't actually give her speech because Paulette talks over the whole thing. Of course. Paulette basically tells us that Elle doesn't want to give a big speech. She doesn't want the spotlight. So she told Paulette, hey, you should play Where Are They Now with the audience. So she tells us what everyone's doing. All right. It's a song and it's great. We're going to listen to it. It's the finale. But before we do, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Oh, boy. So question number nine. Warner proposed and got rejected. And it's three years later. What is he doing now? A, is he graduating law school with the rest of the class? B, is he a model? C, he's a congressman? Or D, did he just become a trophy husband? D, trophy husband. D, trophy husband? 
I wish it were true. No, Warner quit school and says he makes more modeling. He's a model. Uh, that was different from the movie, In too. the movie, he graduates with no girlfriend, no job, and no prospects without honors. Oh, yeah. He's just a no one. Pretty much. It's great. But in, in this movie, he's too pretty for that. We make him a model. Okay. Question 10. How many kids does Paulette have with Kyle at this point? Kyle and her together. She tells us that. She got a new salon. She's doing dog grooming, too. How many kids? A, two kids and another on the way. This is three years, by the way. B, four children. C, they only have one kid. D, they still just have the dog. Two kids and another on the way. Four kids, one kid, or just the dog. Oh my god, I'm like having a... She living that picket fence life? Does she have too many mouths to feed? Or does she just have a dog? Dog. Just a dog? Dog. She has two kids and one more on the way. Paulette is very pregnant in this last number. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Bruh, I was literally like, <laughs> bruh, I was about to say that Bruh, too. Paulette fucks. Paulette's getting busy. <laughs> okay, Paulette. Get, go, go, get busy. Get it, get it Paulette. Get she it. also lives out in Worcester now. She bought her own salon. Ooh. <laughs> She's doing real well for herself. That's Kyle a good, is a good man. That's a good suburb. Get it, girl. Get it, girl. All right, we're at our second to last question, and right. it's a really easy one. True or false, Nico? At the end of the show, Emmett proposes to Elle. True or false? True. I'm really sorry to tell you that it's not true. Because Elle proposes to Emmett before the end of her speech, and it's great. Oh my god. <laughs> so now you've, you've officially listened to all the questions that are revealed in this amazing last number. Let's do it, kid. Let's win the day. This is the finale and Find My Way. I cannot believe she thanks Warner. Don't thank your Warner. Don't thank your Warner. Dump your Warner. Hashtag dump your fucking Warner. <laughs> fuck your Warner. Like, don't fuck your Warner. <laughs> don't fuck your Warner like that, no. If you, I mean, I guess you can. If you're On gonna, spring break only. Too nice. Yeah, they really kind of sanitized her. Me as Elle Woods. Fuck all of you. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, but also people in the show are a lot nicer to her. Like, the Enid Woods dyke moment never happens. Like, yeah. she has less of a reason to be dicks to everyone. That is true. End. Lordy. <laughs> that was... You made wow. it. We did it. So, yeah. Elle proposes, everyone lives happy ever after. <laughs> and you made it. You made it. That is the end of the show. Oof. So I have one more question. So this came out in 2007. Mm -hmm. It did get nominated for Tonys. But for what? No. So this is a two-part question. Oh, God. Both of them are worth one point if you get within three, five if you nail it. Oish. Part one, how many Tonys did Legally Blonde get nominated for? And how many did it win? Remember, if you get within three, because so there aren't that many Tony categories. So I need to make the ranges a little smaller. Right. If you get within three, you get a point. If you nail it, you get five points. Okay. How many did it nominate? How many did it win? That's your last question. And then you are done, I promise. Um, God, I feel like it was nominated for like, I feel like it was one of those that was nominated for like a double digit amount, at least. Just because it was based on like a, I see your smile. I'm going to let you reason it out because I can't, <laughs> I can't spoil it, right? I know you can't, but. 
Yeah, but, but no, I, I, I hope... like this rationale. I'm I'm listening to you talk it out. I'm assuming it is a double digit amount because it's based on like a successful property. First of all, like that's, you know, for it to be based on a property that you already know is going to be successful. It's got killer everything like, you know, music, orchestrations, vocals, everything. I wouldn't even be surprised if like a couple of like the actors got like best supporting whatever roles in this because, you know, as we've heard all these people sound freaking amazing on here Mm -hmm. like you said with the belts and all that stuff like holy shit Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i'm assuming it's gonna be something like i don't know i really want to say it was like 10 or 12 you gotta pick one 12 12 how made it win Okay, this is another one that's just gonna be a stab like yep you just gotta guess i mean that's yeah. that's what the game is nico it's okay eight. you know eight or se- no seven seven yeah okay so guess 12 one and seven or 12 nominated seven one and i'm really sorry to tell you that you are not gonna get any points because they were extremely wrong because it was nominated for seven and one zero so let me tell you about this show as far as critical success. That is... It did not have one. <laughs> so, in a shocking plot twist, this show moved to Broadway four months after it premiered. It had mixed reviews. People are like, there's good moments, but it's kind of bland. Legally bland was critiqued. Yeah, that was in a review. I beg your pardon? And so it got it got nods because a lot of very talented people were in it. You know, Jerry Mitchell got a Best Director nod. Best Choreography got a nod. Best Lighting, Best Costumes. Also, but it, it did not win anything. It feels like a shit ton of money was poured into this, too. Uh, like you so would in think, fact... You would think that this would be something successful, especially after Hairspray. But this was not the time of the movie musical. Right? Right. They had not... So, Hairspray came out, the movie, in 05. Right. And that was really the only successful movie musical we got. And we had not gotten into these... We had not had Heathers yet. We had not had Mean Girls yet. We didn't really have these movie musical adaptations that are happening now. Right. This was kind of one of the first ones of them. Right. And so, to give some general reference, this show lost Best Musical to Spring Awakening. Oh. That came out the same year as this. So that was kind of what the theater scene was. Well, I mean, that's what everything kind of was, too. Yeah, Wasn't like, it was very like edgy. Indie it, rock. It was the year of edge, edge. And this was not yeah. edge. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was very this, different, and it didn't I feel like do if, that well. Yeah, I feel like if this had come out in, like, the early 2010s or something like that, this would have been, this, like... This could have come out in, like, 20, 2015 or something and probably done really well financially. Yeah. And so, yeah, they tried to actually revive it in 2012, and it still, it did better. It got more positive reviews, actually, and they didn't really change it at all. Okay. So because it did so poorly, so let's talk about Run. It ran for 595 performances and 30 previews. That is not a lot. This is the first time? This is the first time. Okay. So no Tonys, less than 600 performances. It did not make its money back, and it was considered a financial disappointment. That was basically how it did on Broadway. And it wasn't great. So, Nico, you made it through the show. Yay. Let's talk about that. So, we've got some songs. We've got a lot of songs in this show. A lot of songs. What's your favorite? Oh, my God. What's the best song and why? And I'm not saying, oh, my God, like, oh, my God's the best song. I'm saying, oh, my God, there's Oh, my so God, many there's songs. a lot of good songs. Yeah. I think this show excels musically. It really does. It takes you through a lot of different genres. And they're all, like, really good in their own genre as mm-hmm. well. 
the thing I love about this show and they reflect the characters is they reflect yeah. the characters. Like the songs don't sound like they are the same. They sound like they are coming from characters who are singing them. Oh yeah, like like it's... Warner has a tone. Callahan has a tone. Yeah. And, Paulette has a tone. Yeah, and it's not just like their characters singing in that tone in songs that don't sound like them. Their songs that they sing sound like them. Paulette's song sounds like Paulette, and she doesn't have to sing an Elwood yeah. song. Yeah. I really like that about this. Because there are definitely some shows that don't do that. Again, you need to know what your show is. But I want to know about these songs. So, I'm going to tell you my favorite song. Let's do it. I think my favorite song is Gary European. Yeah. I think, okay, and so I think Gay or European is my favorite song, and here's why. It's not the most important song in the show. However, it advances the plot. It gives everyone good lines. Everyone that's in this number gets good lines. And also, I just think this is lyrically the best number. As a singer, I love listening to this song. All of the melodies work. All of the lines are really well set. Yeah. It just sounds <clears throat> good. And it's never boring. Like, I never listen to this song, and I'm like, I'm bored. I don't want to have fun during this song. Right. So, yeah, that's my best. Okay. Is that your best? What's your favorite? I would have to say that my current, that not upon further review. You know, just on first listen, I understand, you like, yeah. you don't have a full in-depth. Yeah. Upon further thought, though, I would have to say it's the Harvard Variations. Interesting. No, so tell me why. Just, well, I mean, like, because first of all, I'm a sucker for classical music. It sounds like... It just sounds like what you want to play. It sounds like... Well, it doesn't sound like anything I'd want to play, but I would say it's the most humorous song being a classical musician in the show because uh... it's like, it sounds very academic. It sounds like an assignment you'd get if you were like a music composition major mm -hmm. and, you know, you're trying, you know, oh, you need to like write a fugue or you need to write a chorale or in this case, a set of variations. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure like if I could go to say composer John Adams or somebody like that and say like, hey, what in, because uh, he went to Harvard too for composition mm -hmm. did your professors make you guys write these freaking corrals and assignments and he's like yep <laughs> he'll good. be like yep good <clears throat> i like that okay so that's your best song that's pretty good just for the humor so here's an i think an even harder question what song doesn't work what's the worst song in the show i what do you think if i had to pick one i think whipped into shape is actually the worst song oh and i think here's why it's not a bad song for what it does, but I don't think it's a good act to opener. Hmm. I think maybe, I mean, like, I get the setup. I get that it switches between scenes. I just, it because it is a song that is starting and stopping anyway, and it's not the most melodic because it is so exerting, right? She cannot be belting like crazy because she is jump roping. Right. So because of all that, it doesn't feel as high energy as where we left. It shouldn't. You shouldn't start in exactly the same place as where you left off. Right. But it feels like such a big energy drop that I'm not sure it works at exactly that place in the show. Like, right, it's not a bad song. I just, I wish Act 2 had a different opener and that song were number two in the Act 2. Yeah. That's kind of what I think. But you can tell me if you agree with me you can tell me if there's a worse song maybe it's the reprises i don't know nah because there's a lot of shows that i've played that have reprises that don't deserve them i mentioned earlier that you know oh it had a lot of reprises but i now i see that it, they're just back to back and it feels weird yeah yeah i know it's just like oh we need to have reprises so let's just like shove them in here there now it looks like we have a bunch of reprises <laughs> 
guess and I, I guess you're not a musical if you don't have a reprise. Like of some I think sort. maybe maybe you cut the Ireland reprise and you just have the serious reprise, or maybe you have because they both work. I understand what they both do. It's just weird to have two one-minute songs back to back with each other. Okay. So maybe it's that. I don't know. But now that I'm thinking about it too, like I would have to agree with you on the on the jump rope song. Like musically, it is weaker, but that's because they have to. It's a dance number. It's a dance number. Yeah, like, and so I get that. I do. I just don't know if it opens act two. It's like again, Hairspray also does this. By the way, maybe this is just Jerry Mitchell because Big Dollhouse does this too, and I don't think that's a great number either. Uh, I don't think that's a great act two opener. Then you're gonna have to tell Phantom not to do Masquerade. Mm. I mean. <laughs> take masquerade isn't a good song okay fair enough especially not in the movie all right we're getting back to what we bought. so we talked about where's song it's definitely whipped into shape it's still a good song it's just like a five as opposed to like a seven it's placement in the musical we have come to a consensus that it's placement it's just wrong just yeah. don't start your show your second act with a dance number give your character something to sing yeah it, it's not gonna work and maybe, like, don't interrupt the song. Like, you're bringing the energy back up from a 15-minute break. Maybe don't have a song that stops three times Yeah. to have a scene. Personal feeling. But so, we did it. You could even start off with just, like, one character alone on stage or, like, a small group. Freaking Hamilton. It could be in the office. You could fucking start them in the office and just, like, have a song or a scene. Either way. And yeah. then just play the tape. But you don't need to keep going back and forth. Yeah. It's so unnecessary. It just stops the energy dead. Musical number, musical number. Hands who think she's guilty. Yeah. We are killing the energy of our show. But so that's the songs. Do you have any other musical uh, observations, critiques, opinions? Well. Anything else you really want to tell? That um, that pit is freaking nuts. That's all I got to say about that is that sounds like a, the kind of show that I'd be willing to play. Like, honestly, the last show that I played that I actually had fun in the pit for was The Little Mermaid. All right, local companies, if you're doing Legally Blonde, you heard it here first. Nico Umardur wants to be your violinist. Hire him. Basically. <laughs> So that's the music. Let's talk about the overall. Okay. What's this show 1 to 10 for you? Let's see. I would have to give it I'd have to give it an 8 or like a 7.5 at worst. Yeah, I think very much the same for me. I think this show is like a solid 7. It yeah. knows what it is. It's nothing too groundbreaking. Yeah. But it's enjoyable. Yeah, and it's true enough to the source material, but it also makes changes. And it has a couple new things, yeah. It makes changes to like account for the fact that it's a musical, it's not a movie. It's very It very clear. much plays with those early 2000s moments of ridiculousness. Like I think it mm -hmm. leans into those in the show. Oh, totally. And it makes that makes it good. Cuz like the more campier, the more like funny it's going to be and like that's another thing too is that it's like the big nostalgia. Do you think this is a good show? It really is a good show. Right? It's, I think it's I think it's a solid show. It knows what it is. Yeah. It, it no does that well. Yeah. And it, <laughs> what it leans into, it's really effective all around. Like, the genre changes, the... Everybody's voice, like, I mean, already we're dealing with some amazing actors. But beyond that, parts themselves are very well written. Mm -hmm. We were griping earlier about some characters being cut from the show. But ultimately, like, for a stage production... I think a want, lot of cuts they made are actually good. We don't want people getting... <laughs> five-minute cameos for, like, no reason. Yeah, you, know? you really don't like... need musical cameos. So, I've got one more rating question for you, because I think it's actually an important question. Would you go see this show if it were playing? And part B, how much would you pay? Would you pay a full Broadway ticket price? Or would you pay a community theater price? 
Hmm. I am of the opinion that some shows you cannot really see done to full at community theater levels. Well, yeah. Lion King is one of those. Phantom is one of those. Yeah, because they're dependent on... Big budget shit. Yeah. They're dependent on the set or costume. And they cost millions of dollars to do well. Yes. So, like, those are shows Hmm. I think you have to see on Broadway. Yeah. Or you have to pay for a touring production. Yeah. Because, right, like... The only musical I actually saw on Broadway was Phantom, and Phantom really fucking worked. Mm -hmm. Like, all the effects were just like holy phantom definitely works better if you see it live yeah i have mixed feelings about both anyways but i will say that that is the most impressive use of like I mean, theater money i I've think andrew like weber just does spectacle yeah like he does million dollar shows so how much would you pay for this show though is so- this show worth a broadway ticket I wouldn't say that it's worth a Broadway ticket. I'd say a touring company easily. Maybe not a community theater, but like a regional theater or something like that. If I would go to San Jose or something like that, you know, because when I saw Hairspray, it was done in San Jose, but it was it was really good. See, wow, I even think that's kind of bougie for this. So I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I'd pay more than $50 to see the show again. Really? I don't. I don't think I would. And I'll tell you why. Why? There's nothing in this show that you need a million dollars to do. Oh, yeah. That you need it. The only things you really need to be worried about are sound effects. You really need a competent cast. That's really what you need. And and honestly... That sounds about right. I don't even think that this cast is that demanding. Like, vocally, there's belty parts, but you can find a good mezzo-soprano belter in community theaters. That is true. There are lots of women like me working in community theater. I even would make the argument, you can see this show as a student production, and it does not lose a whole lot. Yeah. You can see the student version of this show, as I have. It holds up. You lose a couple of the racier lines, you lose a couple of, like, the very fun dialogue quips, but as far as, like... It doesn't seem like a show done by children when children do it. It just seems like fucking college kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I think it works. I don't think you need to see the million dollar production of it. That's my personal opinion. That's fair. If you want to, you totally can. Like the sets will probably be superior. It's not just going to be, you know, a college dorm. That's the only reason why I'd want to see like a touring production of it first. But yeah, honestly, you can go see the MTV version if you want that. Like the MTV version is the Broadway stage production. And so honestly, I think that version holds up and i don't think you need to pay a hundred dollars to see this show just go watch it all right i totally get that that might be me seeing it so i was really curious what you thought okay right like i've seen it so i might not be right on my price points someone else might be like no this is a hundred dollar show okay Haley, Haley, this you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) if you think i'm wrong you should tell me please comment okay nico guess what what we have officially made it through my outline. You are at the end of the show. Woohoo! Nico, congratulations. You made it through. You did my musical challenge. You now know about Legally Blonde the musical. You can tell someone authoritatively Woo-hoo! that Legally Blonde is a pretty good show. Nico, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on and having a good time with me. This was really fun. I'm so happy. I'm honestly like really happy that you took this experiment on with me and like were the person who was willing to come and take the plunge and try this out. I could not be happier. No, this is this was fun. Was yeah, did you have fun. a good time? Would you tell people that they should come do this with me? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. This is good. I feel like I'm a pretty good time. So Nico, tell the people, since you know, you took all this time to be a beautiful guest on my show. <laughs> tell them where they can find you. Tell them your socials. Tell them what you're doing. All right. You can find me 
on Instagram at N as in Nancy Umar Durr. Um, that's about it for right now. That's uh, Durr with two R's, D-U-R-R. That, yep. And that's about it right now. Uh, Facebook's probably going to come sooner or later. I just got to update a couple more things. I just finished playing violin for Singing in the Rain at Three Crosses over in Castro Valley. They do musicals like three times a year. You could usually find me in the pit for that. I'm also playing in a string quartet later next month. I could probably send the link for that to Haley once we finalize our we date as well. We can definitely plug some show dates for you. Yes, <laughs> both Nico's Instagram and if he gives me any links for his shows will be in the description for this. If you want to check them out, they are down there. Also, Oakland Civic Orchestra is starting their season up again. I'm playing violin in that too. I think I'm principal second this time. Golf yeah. claps, golf claps. Very impressive. <clears throat> Pretty impressive. Good to know. That's going to be a good time. Those concerts are free, so... Yeah, those are free concerts every Sunday. At, Sunday's at four usually. That's about it. Where? Tell them where. Oh, oh. Do this marketing thing. You're a professional. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be, those concerts are usually held at Lake Merritt United Methodist Church. It's literally on the bank of Lake Merritt in Oakland, like around where First Street is. So just look that up. Lake Merritt United Methodist <laughs> Church. All right, you heard Nico. You can hear him playing Sundays at 4 with the Oakland Civic Orchestra at the Lake Merritt United Methodist Church. If you want to find out more about our show or me, because I'm the writer and this is my thing, you can find me at HaleySlammon.com, HaleySlammon on Facebook, HaleySlammon on Instagram, and HaleySlammon on Patreon. Basically, if there's a HaleySlammon out there, it is me, and that is Haley, H-A-L-E-Y, and Slammon, S as in Sam, L-A-M-O-N. We're planning to do these shows about once a month right now because that's how long it's going to take me to turn around and edit them and write scripts and find guests. But as always, the more demand we have for this and the more of a following we get for our podcast, the more we're able to put effort and funding into it. So if you really support us, if you like what we do and you want to help us out, you can go to my Patreon, Haley Slammin'. A dollar a month will get you extra bonus content. It gets you a lot of cool things that I do, extra full versions of the podcasts and photos, lots of cool stuff. So if you want to hear more of this and you want to support the show, that's a great way to do it. Also share this podcast, like it anywhere you're listening to it. Be sure to give us a five-star review. That's super helpful to bump up our ratings and get us seen by more people. And honestly, just keep listening. It means a lot to us. And, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to spend some time and just, you know, bullshit about musicals a little. Once again, really, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this. Thank you so much, Nico, for coming on. I really hope we can have you on again another time soon. I hope so, too. Again, if you really like this and want to support what we're doing, you can share, comment, subscribe, and just get involved with our little musical theater family, guys. We can all Broadway battle together. All right, we're going to get going. Thanks for listening to Broadway Battles. Take care. Bye.